Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. You know, you're worried about all these other people, but at the end of the day, what's best for you? Because I, I think people have a tendency to be more generous at times. And I think there's a time and a place to put yourself first. So it's, it's to ground yourself back into that before you make your decision. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. This week's Women in Tech podcast episodes are powered by Strayer University. Strayer University is the go-to place to get your MBA online. You can get your entire MBA via Facebook. What? Yes, it's true. And they have incredible video content to learn from, amazing instructors, a powerful leadership team, Strayer. Check them out at strayer.edu. Thank you, Strayer, for believing in women in tech. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. Yes, and I'm so excited to have Sabrina with us today. Hello, Sabrina. Hello. Oh, my gosh. Okay, Sabrina, go ahead and formally introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. So I'm Sabrina Kopp. I'm the Chief Information Officer at Surrey University. I am responsible for designing, developing, and implementing all the technology to enhance our student and employee experiences here at Strayer. The way I define what it is to be a CIO is mainly as far as being responsible for not only just all the technology, but also to uh, the experience around technology. And I think it's, it's a very unique blend and a unique dynamic in the sense that you have to keep the plumbing running, which is what I like to refer to. And if a pipe bursts, you know, typically that's when you get the most attention. And it can be very um, ungratifying in the sense that people are just have that expectation that it should work without understanding the complexity of, of the trials and tribulations in order to make that happen. But on the flip side of that, it's also all the, you know, bells and whistles on the front end that allow for all of that back end technology to function. And for me, it's supporting all of those aspects as well as the customer support um, and the seamlessness of just making it a very, very, again, fluid uh, experience and an enjoyable one so that both of our employees and our students are optimizing their outcomes. And what does your day to day look like? Meetings. No. <laughs> Um, no, it's, it's a lot of, it's, honestly, it's, it's a blend between, you know, uh, sanity checks of certain, you know, upgrades, technology, and again, keeping that plumbing running. And then there's a lot of strategic discussions that we end up having is, you know, what is our roadmap? What are the next things that we're looking at? What are the technologies and the boundaries that we have to sort of uh, work around and or work towards? 
And I think it's also, for me, the biggest thing that I tell my team, and it's been a transformation that I've worked on Strayer for the past, you know, you know, four to five years, um, and especially over these last three, is we should essentially function more like a consulting firm from the standpoint of IT is providing a service to our end users where we should be challenging and making sure that for us understanding what our business is using it, how they're doing it, how do they run so that we can be proactively helping them solve problems versus a reactionary model. And to me, that's where IT departments should be evolving too, is that we are no longer this, you know, just a standard service model. It is a a proactive service model to the degree of we are embedded and ingrained and partnered with our business stakeholders to ensure the fact that we're getting the right outcomes and that we're moving the company and the organization forward faster, more efficiently, and hopefully with a lot more impact. So you weren't just born and started working at Strayer. So let's start from the beginning. One of my favorite questions to ask is when did you first become in love with technology? So I actually fell in love with technology um, my sophomore year in college. For the longest time, I always thought I was going to be a lawyer. Then I met an amazing professor in my freshman year. I started actually as an electrical engineer wasn't enjoying it as much as I thought I was going to enjoy it. And uh, Virginia Tech, which I am alumni too, fellow Hokie, uh, my professor had mentioned that we were starting up a new computer science program. And it was brand new, something that just literally was getting off the ground. It probably had been in flight for about six months to maybe a year and started introducing me to some of the classes and the programs and the technology around how I would be coding and, and how it integrates with business and sort of that acumen. And I said, hey, I should totally try this. And at that moment in time is when I made the switch. And how did you even get into electrical engineering? I mean, was there in your home? Did you grow up with technology? How did you discover that world? Yeah, so my father was a mechanical engineer, uh, was with the Air Force, helped develop planes, uh, you know, the mechanics of bombs, all these different types of things. And he got me very much into science at a very, very young age. So I always loved math and science. Um, he continued to, you know, just encourage uh, my math and science passion. And throughout that, uh, I always thought engineering, based on what my father did, was always a great degree to fall back on. So even though I was planning to go to law school, my plan was always just to have a solid degree to fall back on. And therefore, I decided to go the engineering route. And you never went to law school at all? I never did. My junior year, uh, there were two of the hardest conversations I ever had with my father. One was when I was no longer going to be an engineer uh, from my freshman to sophomore year. And then the second one in my junior year where I told him I wasn't thinking I wasn't going to go to law school anymore and I wanted to pursue a, a consulting path in IT. And then what were your first steps to take that path? Um, so in college, what I ended up doing was I ended up getting internships. Uh, I knew that I wanted to do a blend between technology and the people side. I didn't want to be the person that was behind the scenes just coding, although I loved the technology. I wanted to be able to blend and articulate technology in the real world and how business would use technology and so forth. And so I, at the time, I interned with um, a Coopers and Libran. I was there when they merged with Pricewaterhouse and then formally became PricewaterhouseCoopers. So during that merger and the, you know, the exposure, that was my first real taste of the blend between business and technology. And after that, I completely fell in love with it. And then how did you eventually get to Strayer? So I had worked with a colleague who was uh, the previous CIO here at Strayer University. He's still here. We had worked together back in my consulting days, and uh, I had just moved back from abroad. I would worked on a project for two years in Paris. He had heard that I had moved back. I had literally been home for two days, and he had called me saying, we have an opportunity here, and I would love to um, bring you over. Wait a second. 
I love how you glazed over. Oh, P.S. By the way, I led an epic life in Paris for two years. <laughs> Tell us about that. <laughs> no, so it was pretty remarkable. My last uh, pretty much five years um, with Accenture, I did international. And it was something where, you know, you start to dabble a little bit in the offshoring realm. And then next thing you do, you start leading projects offshore. And then uh, one thing led to another. And one of the partners had called me just saying, hey, we have this opportunity. I actually was supposed to go to New York at the time and uh, called me and said, we have a client that needs to do a massive implementation across the European countries. Uh, would you be willing to go? You would need to live abroad and live in Paris. And literally, it took me two seconds to think about it. And I said, Sure. When do I go to interview? And they flew me out to Paris the next week, met the management team there, and I literally started work on the project two weeks later. So lived there for for a couple years. It was an absolutely amazing experience. Could not speak a lick of French, but loved it. Uh, and was very sad when it when it came to an end. <laughs> uh, and and then and then you came back and you moved to Virginia. Correct. Well, I had kept my, my place here in Virginia. I had lived here before I ended up going abroad. Uh, so I pretty much just came back, quote unquote, home to the States right. and didn't know what I was going to do next, was looking for my next project, assumed it would probably be, an, again, another international uh, effort. And uh, right. Strayer, it, it, it took several um, meetings to woo me to finally give the opportunity because quite candidly, I'd never done academics. Uh, in addition to the fact that I had a stigma in my mind that uh, academics traditionally just moved very slow. And when you're in the right. technology world, right. you want to move fast. You want something more dynamic. Um, but after I met with the, you know, the COO, who's now our CEO, and talked with Joe and some other leadership here, I realized that they did not move like an academic institution. Again, they moved more like a corporation, which right. intrigued me. I mean, Strayer is one of the leading online educational universities. Uh, that, that even has an MBA program you could do fully on a mobile app, which blows my mind. Um, what <laughs> excites you most about being in the position that you're in today with this company? What about Strayer's culture just makes you feel completely in alignment with where you are? Yeah, I mean, so I think there's a couple things. So one, I love the fact that we're contributing something that actually truly betters the lives of our, of our, um, our customers and our students. And I, and I think for that perspective, you, you walk away with a love of gratification versus like, you know, when I think about my consulting days and you, you know, you're helping a company just make more money. Uh, it's, it's not as gratifying as, as it is when we, when I envision a student getting a better raise or, you know, a, getting a new job or being able to, you know, aspire and, and be a role model for their, for their children, um, so that, that part to me is, is very gratifying. The, the second thing that I think for me, especially within my position, is the fact that we are always um, trying to push the needle, not only just with technology, but also, too, with respect to just pushing the boundaries of education. And the great thing about it, especially as the years have evolved, is that technology has been something that has helped us get there and is something that's critical in order to make sure that those goals can be met. And we've we've talked about it even here where we've started to shift and even, you know, partner more with academics from the standpoint of it almost feels like at times we're more of a technology company than an academic institution. And mainly because of the fact that we're 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 trying to ensure the fact that we make technology not only just accessible, but also understandable and very intuitive for our students. So it's not overwhelming, it's not overpowering, and it's something that they can also use in other realms of their um, environment. So whether it's in right. professional or personal careers, 
And I think to me, that's that's very gratifying because um, we do a lot of student focus groups and we work very closely with our students just to make sure that the outcomes of what we're delivering are, are meeting their needs. And I, I have a question that I just started asking recently, and it's it's my new favorite question. You're amazing on this podcast. You're you're amazing at being interviewed. Have you ever done a podcast before? This is actually my first. <laughs> and, and you know, so many guests, it's their first. And that's why I love asking this now, because I know that, but I usually find out after we're done recording. And I think it's really inspiring for everybody listening to hear just that you're awesome. And it was your first. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's like, I think, you know, a lot of us are able to do things that we're not aware that we're, uh, that we're able to do until we try. And I just think it's really inspiring to see like, look, you're, it's not, you're not trained to do this either and you're killing it. And I just, I love that. Um, So Sabrina, the next question, what is one obstacle that you've successfully overcome? How did you overcome it? And what did you learn from it? Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's several that I can think of, especially being uh, when, when I think just being, you know, a female in a predominantly male uh, industry. For me, I, I, I think it's, it's part of it is the stigma, which is which is unfortunate. I think women within tech have, have made a lot of evolutions and a lot of changes. And I think we've attracted a lot more women where we're redefining uh, women in IT. And I think for me, one of the one of the biggest challenges I had was I in my consulting days knew I, I love technology was very uh, focused on, you know, moving up quickly on the partner track within my with my firm. And in doing so, the, I had met a female partner um, who there were very few at the time. She had given me some coaching advice to, to essentially tell me that I should act and dress more like a man. And, you know, when she said this to me at the time, I, I know she meant it as constructive criticism. And, you know, at, at, at this point in time, we were still wearing suits and we were doing all these things. And, and I realized I was at a, a, a really interesting inflection point in my career where it was, well, do I follow the, this advice of this female partner? And is there something that I'm not cognizant of? Or do I help redefine and reshape what, you know, female in IT should be aspiring and what we should be focused on doing. And, and her, her, her gist of it was, you know, like pantsuits and very basic. And that's kind of what she was meaning by a lot of this stuff. And, and I realized that I was, I had a challenge in the sense that I had two things. Not only did I have to worry about the overcoming stigma of what men deemed of women in the workplace of IT, but that there was also a female stigma that had to also be overcome. And the female aspect of it was something that I never really thought about. And so at that point in time, I was very young in my career and uh, very influential from the standpoint of I didn't know which boundaries at that time I, I should be willing to sort of push, challenge, um, and, and, you know, potentially in jeopardy of me uh, impacting my career path, knowing that I was on, you know, a very fast projection. She was trying to guide me, coach me in order to continue that fast progression. And at that time, what I realized was I didn't want to be anything other than myself. And I was very um, focused on the fact of, you know, continuing to be professional, continuing to be someone that could, you know, still be, you know, within the fashion trend and still wear the heels and to not have to just be in pantsuits. And, you know, how do you how do you embody and carry the weight of, you know, like being a female, but at the same time being able to do the job just as well as any man and that it's, it's not about gender, but it's about the individual. And so for me, I think I think back that all the time just to think about where I am today and how I took 
that at a very, very young age to say, I'm not going to let anyone define what I should be and or how I should work and or how I should be presenting myself. Um, I should always be confident, be an individual, be respectful of others as well as for myself and everything else should just fall into place. And, you know, I had a very, very candid conversation with that female partner at the time. She respected what I said, disagreed. Um, But to me, I think just the fact that I, you know, I was able to address it head on and do it from the standpoint of, I mean, obviously I was very nervous. It took a lot of time for me to think through how I was going to sort of address this circumstance. But at the end of the day, I walked away just knowing if you're, you know, again, very candid, direct, professional, um, respectful, and to the degree that you can articulate clearly, you know, where you're trying to go. And at the end of the day, backing it by all of your actions and your performance and your, you know, your ability to get the job done. No one can really, you know, you help redefine the expectation of what uh, you're representing and or what you can contribute. And to that degree, it speaks volumes as far as then what what your what should be owed to you as far as the next step. I love that. I, I, I think it's so important, no matter what the career to to be our authentic selves. And I know that's a word that's kind of being overused these days, but I notice it's difficult when we feel like we could lose so much if everybody, if we just were right, like you, you feel like exactly. you could lose professional opportunity. What advice do you have for us um, when that concern arises? Like if I don't do this, I may not excel in my career. I may not get that job. I may not get that client. Um, what kind of advice can you give us? Yeah, so I think there's always a, a few things that for me personally that I like, if I, if I ever get to those points where I'm extremely frustrated in my job, everyone has those days. And or if I'm ever evaluating, a, you know, a new opportunity, you know, whether it's a project or so forth, I think there's a few things that I always do. One, I think it's very important to have a sounding board, whether it's someone at your office or at home, um, a friend, husband, wife, et cetera. Uh, just to like to bounce them off where there's no where they have your best interest in mind. Um, and then they're going to challenge you to, to the sense of, you know, well, it sounds like, you know, you're, you're trying to, you, you know, you're worried about all these other people, but at the end of the day, what's best for you? Because I, I think people have a tendency to be more generous at times than to be selfish. And I think there's a time and a place to put yourself first and to be selfish. So it's, it's to ground yourself back into that before you make your decision. I think, I think the second thing too, is from the standpoint of, you know, what are you, what are you running towards versus running away from? And I think if you're running towards something, then you know, you're, you're, you're heading in the right direction. If you're running away from something, um, you should ask yourself why, and is this something that's making you happy? And then I think the, the third thing is just from the standpoint of, is this something that I want to get out of bed for every day? Is it, is it something that regardless of all the noise, regardless of all the frustrations, is this something at the end of the day that I'm proud of what I'm contributing to, that I'm proud of what I'm delivering and that, there's more good than there is bad. And I think if that's the case, then, you know, you continue to keep grounding yourself. You're continuing to keep that focus. You know that you're getting something not only out of it, and it may not be that you're getting the promotion or the raise, but you're getting the gratification from your day-to-day activities, I think is really key. And do you, do you have any insights for the high school senior that you were? If you could talk to the person you were, what would you tell her? a good question. (laughs) Several things. Um, But I think, you know, especially I think, you know, I would encourage the fact of always like shoot, you know, aim high. Uh, 
that, you know, there's there's no goal that you can't achieve. Um, I do think that there the biggest piece is I, w- I wish I would have paused and enjoyed more of the moments. I think I was so focused on getting to the next level that the moment I got there, I was already looking to the next level. So, you know, I make consultant to manager to senior manager. Like as soon as I got that, I was looking for the next the next take. And even when at Strayer, when I, you know, I made, you know, SVP, I was like, OK, so now great. How quick before I can make, you know, take over the, you know, the CIO title and those types of things. And, you know, it's enjoying those moments and those accomplishments and just taking the pause and it's okay to celebrate and it's okay to pat yourself on the back. And, and I think I don't, I I wish I would have done more of that during those times. Um, When I first raised money, I remember as soon as I raised money, I was on to, okay, now what are we doing? And it was years later that I was like, man, I never celebrated any of any of my milestones. I just kept charging forward. It's, It's amazing how we lose sight of that. I think that's a great tip. Um, what's one? Uh, what's one of your favorite books, both personal or professional? That's interesting. So I've got to be candid with you. I'm not a big reader because I read so much at the office, <laughs> all the articles and the Wall Street Journal. My husband's the big reader. Um, but I think, like for me, uh, you know, I loved this is like an older book, but like just from the standpoint of like you know things like Memoirs of a Geisha, where there's some history elements, but you know, like there's a nice story behind some of the trials and tribulations and uh, of what people go through and how you work through diversity. Um, so that book has always resonated with me also too. I'm half Korean. So I think also the Asian aspects of it were, were intriguing to me, but yeah, in, in general, I would, I would have to say I'm more of a movie buff than I am a, a, a book reader. <laughs> You're allowed. How about your, your favorite tech tool? It could be hardware, software, uh, any, any kind of technology. Oh, see, that one's hard because there's so many things where, like, if you're in the tech industry, you just, you, you value and appreciate uh, so many different aspects of things. But I think a lot of, what I would say right now, probably the biggest things that are intriguing to me is everything we're doing around artificial intelligence. And I know this is like kind of the buzzword and a lot of industries are getting into this. Um, and it's not so much a tech tool, but more so around how and you integrate and work to get. AI working with all of your existing systems. So for me, it's more of the the framework and the infrastructure around making all of that um, very cohesive and seamless for the end user. And um, how can people connect with you online um, or, or, yeah, or no, wherever you're comfortable? Yeah, no, I mean, people are welcome to hit me up on um, LinkedIn, uh, Sabrina Kopp. Uh, I'm, I would love to make some new connections and to, to answer any other additional questions. Or people can reach me at um, sabrina.cop at strayer.edu. Can you spell your name for everybody? Sure. It's uh, S-A-B-R-I-N-A, last name C-O-P-P. Perfect. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. You have absolutely nailed being on your first podcast. I'm super impressed. If you want to connect with more extraordinary women in tech, remember you can go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That takes you straight there, womenintechvip.com. I will talk to you guys, hear you guys, see you guys in the next episode. Remember to say hello at Women in Tech Show on all the socials, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Bye. 
This week's Women in Tech episodes are happily powered by Strayer University, a dynamic place to get your MBA online. Yes, you can get your entire MBA via Facebook. It's wild. They have amazing video content, incredible instructors, and a great leadership team. Check them out at strayer.edu. That's S-T-R-A-Y-E-R.edu. S-T-R-A-Y-E-R.edu. Thank you for being a part of the Women in Tech podcast. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.